Hello and welcome to the Triage Method Podcast with me, Gary McGowan, and my co-host, Mr. Patrick Farrell. Paddy, how are you this week? As per usual, Gary, I am positively splendid. Wonderful. Recording this midweek, so it's not actually a weekend like we normally record it. So I feel feel a bit fresh. Silence. Absolute silence. Gary. <laughs> you might have had something else to say. No, oh, I just feel fresh. Fresh. You're not only fresh on the weekends, you tire at the weekends. Well, we record quite early on the weekend mornings. And uh, unlike you, I don't get up at 4 a.m. I get up at a much more reasonable half six. Um, so I was up at that time this morning as well, to be fair. I went to bed late, so. Well, there you go. This is a deload week for me, or rather it has been a deload week for me. So that's probably also contributing to my feelings of freshness. Um, but anyway, look. We're talking about a somewhat related topic today in that we are talking about sleep supplements. So as we all know, sleep is important for everything working correctly in your body. Now, oftentimes there is a lot of, let's call it fear mongering around sleep. Like people are very extra precious around their sleep. Like they think if you get six hours sleep one night, you might as well have shot yourself in the face because, you know, your life is over, right? There's people out there that do think that. There's people that do really try to optimize every single last thing about their sleep. Then on the other side of the, on the other side of the spectrum, which is probably more of the people than the people that are trying to optimize everything, are the people that consistently undersleep. They consistently get six hours of sleep every single night. Um, and it's not for necessarily a reason. It's not like, okay, I have to work five jobs and, you know, to make ends meet or whatever. Oftentimes it's just, oh, I stayed up until 2 a.m. last night watching Netflix. You know, like that's the the, the parody, if you will, right? Um, so a lot of people get poor sleep. A lot of people then turn to sleep supplements. They turn to supplementation to try to get better sleep. Because if you... You know, you're going to sleep at 2 a.m. because you've been up all night watching Netflix or whatever other streaming service, um, playing video games. I don't know, whatever it is that normal people do. I'm not normal, so I don't fucking know. Um, but you're doing that. You're staying up late. You notice consistently, man, I'm having four coffees every single day and it's only 12 o'clock. You know, I'm just trying to get some sort of stimulation going. I'm constantly tired. I've noticed my training in the gym is lackluster. And that's even if I get to the gym because... I'm just tired all the time because I'm just not sleeping enough um, and so on and so on. We all know the ill effects of sleep. We've done previous podcasts on sleep. We're not going to go into all of that uh, today. I'm also currently writing a foundational article on sleep for our foundational series. So that should be out in the next couple of weeks anyway, because um, we try to make those articles pretty comprehensive to answer as many questions as possible as we can. But anyway, that's beside the point. But either way, people do turn to sleep supplements. However, they're just not that effective. (laughs) Unfortunately, look, I would love to tell you, look, this is the sleep supplement. Take this supplement. It's going to be a game changer. It's going to change your life. It's going to get your sleep. Fantastic. It's going to be magical, right? And that's just not really the case. You really do have to get all the other foundational pillars in place. You have to have good exercise habits. You have to have a good diet. You have to have good stress management if you want to improve your sleep and vice versa. If you get your sleep good, all of those other pillars are in a much more stable, much more uh, or a much better place overall, 
right? So it is a foundational thing. We need to get it right. But we're saying that supplements don't really work all that much. And then we're going to do a podcast on supplements, right? <laughs> but we'll get to get to that in a second. Oh, getting this, getting the foundational stuff in place, that generally means you're going to also, if you're just like, oh, I just want to go down the supplement route, right? You're going to have to do some like foundational general health supplements, right? Because healthy people generally sleep better right? Like if you're in better health, your sleep is probably going to be better. Now, is it causative? Is it correlative? It's both, <laughs> right? Um, it plays into both systems. It helps you stay healthier or get healthier. And it also, the healthier you are, the better sleep you seem to get, right? So any of those foundational health supplements we talked about previously, they're probably going to help with your sleep. They're probably going to help you get better sleep just by virtue of making you sleep or making you healthier overall and thus helping your sleep right so you could you could argue a multivitamin that's a sleep supplement right because it's improving your general health there's also general like we'll call them neurological support supplements and this is this is where you see a lot of marketing this is where you see a lot of marketing for sleep supplements especially these days when as we're saying like sleep supplements aren't all that effective so what people do is go oh well this is actually for your brain this is actually going to help your brain health, your neurological system. It's going to be restorative, et cetera, et cetera. And as a result of that, you're going to get better sleep, right? That's where a lot of the marketing is. We're not actually going to cover a huge amount on that in this episode because we have future episodes planned on that kind of stuff. But a lot of it, again, it's just like the general health supplements. It's like, oh yeah, well, obviously if your brain works better, if it's better supported, if you've got omega-3s, for example, if you've got anything that helps with, you know, uh, neuron firing, etc., like or potentially helps with that. Like, yeah, of course it's going to help your sleep, but it's the same as just getting healthier in general, helping your sleep. It's not a specific sleep aid. It's not solving a specific sleep issue. It's not helping you get to sleep faster, get deeper sleep, sleep for longer. It's not helping with any of those things outside of just generally helping you to be healthier. Right. So keep all that caveat in mind. Now, in terms of sleep. The sleep foundational stuff, the sleep hygiene habits, they have to be in place. If you're looking at supplements and you're going, I need a sleep supplement, right? It can be potentially helpful in terms of really solidifying those sleep hygiene habits. For example, we're going to talk about melatonin now in a second, right? That could potentially be beneficial in helping you get to sleep a little bit quicker after you've already instigated all these sleep hygiene habits. You've already done stuff like oh, I'm setting aside an hour before bed to really start winding down, reducing my you know, blue light exposure, different things that we've talked about before. If you've done those and then you go, you know what, I want a little bit extra, maybe supplementation could help then, right? They're giving you an extra one to 2%. Cool, right? But they're not the stuff that's doing 90% of the work that people seem to think they are, right? Those, the thing that's doing 90% of the work are the foundational sleep hygiene habits. That's what you need to be focusing on. And again, they'll be in the article that's coming out soon enough. Um, we've talked about them previously on previous podcasts. If you're a client of ours, we give a sleep uh, guidebook to our clients to go, here you go. This is this is all the best latest science. These are all the habits that potentially help, right? Um, <clears throat> so do you have anything to say on that, Gary? Yeah, definitely. Because I actually think, to be honest, this is the most important part of the podcast, really, you know, and, and it may sound like we're saying we, you don't need to listen or take any advice about sleep supplements. But I think 
we can't impress upon you enough the importance of considering what it is that is limiting your sleep individually. Because what we find, and I find this myself, is that basic lifestyle um, issues are what contribute to poor sleep for most people. When I speak to clients about why they're not sleeping enough, it's very rarely that they're actually getting to bed on time after their sleep routine, et cetera, and then they're not able to get to sleep. Most frequently what we observe is that people get into this cycle in the evening of staying up later and they have a fixed wake up time in the morning. So that staying up later then contributes to less sleep during the night because they have to be up at a fixed time. And therefore, upon waking, they don't feel rested. They feel, you know, really tired, really groggy. Their performance is poor throughout the day. And unless you're working in a very flexible um, job, like maybe you're an online personal trainer, you don't have the option to delay your your wake up time. Uh, you don't have the option to, you know, have a nap during the day. For most people, that's just not realistic. So really what we have to do is start by getting that evening time in order. And that's the most important thing because a lot of the supplements that we're going to discuss today, they're focused on trying to contribute to um, inhibitory aspects of the nervous system. So what we're trying to do is generally promote inhibitory neurotransmission so they're not we're not really excited we're trying to promote a more parasympathetic state we're not in that fight or flight mode we're trying to reduce stress we're trying to increase melatonin and let our body know that now is relaxation time now is night time it's dark it's time to sleep and it's incredibly difficult to do that if you're watching between 9 and 11 p.m the latest you know murder series on netflix which is what people tend to do realistically so you're hyped up fighting action films yeah whatever this this like i i don't really watch netflix i will every now and then but my girlfriend actually watches a lot of netflix and she will watch these i don't know why women do this but this seems to be universal they watch the most terrifying murder series about like you know, a serial rapist and things like this. And then they're going to bed and they're really like clutching the covers, like looking around and freaked out. So you're totally excited. You're totally scared. You're on edge. Okay, that, that's not promoting his sleep state. What you want to do instead is, okay, number one, darkness. Okay, you want to, you know, dim the lights. Um, ideally, you want you, you don't want to have screens. You can consider things like blue light blocking glasses. They vary in their efficacy, but they might be of, of aid if you're exposed to a lot of, of, of light indoors. Um, and then once you've done that, you've actually contributed to a lot of the, the variables that we're going to talk about in terms of melatonin synthesis, for example. So you're promoting that already. And then what you're doing is you're taking the nervous system into a more relaxed state. So very often what I'll get people to do is read a novel for example i even do this myself i'll very often try and read a bit of fiction before bed and i'm i'm sound asleep within 10 minutes because it just puts me to sleep a lot of but people I say literally that, read in my bed my eyes just get so heavy i'm like straight away straight away and a lot of people will say that anecdotally that they uh oh i just can't read books because i just fall asleep great use that as a tool to get you to sleep okay um so these little things are, are so simple but really difficult to enact because your whole environment is, you know, trying to push you away from that, especially if you're on the phone. You know, if you've, you've got TikTok there, my God, that that thing and, and Reels as well, they're so well designed to keep you on the app because you scroll and the more you scroll and the more you spend time watching videos, 
the more it gives you more of what you're enjoying. And then it's fantastic. Okay. So I'm watching these Sigma male, hilarious, dark humor videos. And then I'm getting a great kick out of them. But if I'm doing that in bed, that's going to have me excited. It's going to have me awake. So they're yeah. all and just, just on that. One of the things that you can do, that's actually really, uh, it shows just how addictive those things are and just how much of an impact they have is like, turn your phone onto grayscale mode, right? If you have an iPhone, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can do it on Android and it literally just takes all the color. It's just black and white and gray, you know? And then all of a sudden you start noticing, wow, my screen time just went down to fuck all. You know, yeah. because you're not getting that hyper stimulation, all the colors, all the brightness, like they have designed these apps to make you addicted. You know, like they want you on the app. They make scrolling easy. They make it like this infinite scroll, this loop, everything. So turn your phone on the gray grayscale mode. And then all of a sudden you're like, fuck, actually, I'm getting much better sleep. And I'm not scrolling through TikTok or Instagram or fucking any of these apps for hours on end when you should be sleeping. Yeah. And then the the last thing that I'd say on that is that, because the phone is such a barrier, like what I, I find myself going through cycles with this where my sleep hygiene will be really good. And then it's just, it just gradually kind of slips away from you, you know? And suddenly I realize, Jesus, I'm on the phone here, sc- scrolling in bed, looking at Twitter and stuff. You know, I, I shouldn't be doing this. Like, why am I doing that? And it, it just, it just gradually creeps up on you. So what I'll try to do then as like a reset during those periods of time is I'll just turn my phone off and charge it in a different room. And that's so potent then, because it means that, number one, I'm not scrolling in bed. I'm not staying up later scrolling. Um, and I'm also not going to wake up during the night or wake up in the morning and pick up the phone straight away immediately, because those things are things that disrupt your sleep. So that's something you can do. And the inevitable pushback is, oh, but I need my phone for an alarm. Go down to the local Euro store. You get an alarm for two euro. No excuse. Okay? <laughs> I'm not having it, especially when most of you have activity watches. OK, you've no excuse. So anyway. That's the starting point, because that's really what's going to have the largest effect. And then as we move into a discussion of supplementation, first and foremost, and obviously supplementation is very much related to nutrition, you have to, if you are, if you go into the research on sleep and you look at dietary contributors to, um, to good quality sleep overall, you'll see this really boring general observational effect that healthy diets lead to better sleep. (laughs) And what I mean by that is that if you're getting a diet that's rich in nutrients, you're getting plenty of fruits and vegetables, it's relatively balanced in terms of its nutrient content, you're getting enough protein, you're getting enough fiber, you're getting your your omega-3s, your seafood, you're you're getting all the things that we talk about all the time when it comes to nutrition. You see that, that that general dietary pattern promotes better sleep, okay? Now, that's really boring advice because you want to be told about the one food, you know, or the three foods that help with sleep. But it just doesn't seem to be that simple because sleep is a very dynamic process. You know, there's some evidence that, you know, high carbohydrate diets will increase the amount of REM sleep you do, whereas low carbohydrate REM sleep that you get, whereas low carbohydrate diets um, might increase the amount of non-REM sleep that you get. Now, does that affect change over time? Does that affect change by individual does that affect change by your carbohydrate requirements throughout the day we just don't have that level of granularity when it comes to nutrition and sleep so it's very hard to make very precise recommendations particularly given the fact that you don't have polysomnography sleep studies ongoing each night so you can't even assess this stuff you know so i would say that focus on the overall dietary pattern as a whole um because that's going to contribute to general health which is going to improve your sleep but it's also going to contribute to a state where you don't have any of the nutrient deficiencies, where some of the supplements that we might discuss 
might come in to potentially be of benefit. So it really does all start with diet. And that's how you're going to cover the largest um, number of bases. And the, the other thing I'll just say on diet quickly is that because it is related to supplementation, you know, if you're eating really close to bed and you've got a, re a full stomach, you know, you can't just supplement your way out of that potentially impacting your sleep. Now that impacts people to a variable extent. If you're someone with, let's say, IBS, or maybe you're somewhere on that spectrum where you get a lot of abdominal bloating and distension after your meals, um, and then you're trying to get to sleep after that, well, that might be very difficult for you. You, Someone else, you might have a thousand calories right after your workout and you're straight to sleep. It's no problem. So you have to consider those individual variables and then we can begin to discuss supplementation. Well, just one final thing on the diet. There are things obviously in the diet that consistently lead to poorer sleep. One of those things is alcohol. People will consistently say, oh, well, I just have like a glass of wine or two glasses of wine each night uh, to help me get to sleep, to take the edge off the day. First of all, that if you count up those units across the week, you are probably classified as an alcoholic. You know, <laughs> that's it. Unfortunately, is the case, right? Like I did, again, the nutrition article, um, I think two weeks ago, we released it on site, um, the foundational nutrition stuff. And we talked about alcohol in that. And when you actually go through the units of alcohol that relate or that cause, you know, whatever ill effects, I think it's like 14 units per week. Some countries have different amounts. I think Canada has a very particularly low amount, yeah. um, but 14 units is not that much. That's like a large glass of wine each night, <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, like across the week. Sorry, just to say one more thing on that, the, you also have to consider that by like what you're drinking as well, because like people think sometimes a lot, like for guys in particular, a lot of guys will drink pints and they think a pint is a unit. No, no, no. A pint is between two and three and sometimes more units. You know, like I drink um, IPAs if I'm having a beer and they can be six, seven, yeah, <laughs> hipster, six, seven, eight percent. You know, they're, that's like three plus units of alcohol, you know, if, if I was slamming two of those every night, you know, you're having six by seven, 42 units of alcohol. Like that's, that's heavy alcohol use at that point. And pe people do that, you know? Um, so just be wary and try to calculate your own alcohol units. And that the same thing goes for wine drinkers, because this is actually particularly common uh, in women who come home and they take the edge off. Oh, just glass of wine. You know, you see all these memes online about kind of glamorizing the, the wine ant meme, um, you know, you come home, you get a glass of wine out and you look at the glass of wine. It's like, no, 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 that's that's not a, a glass of wine. That's three glasses of wine in your glass. So do do be very wary of that stuff, because alcohol is probably one of the most potent impacts on like just killing your sleep quality. It might get you to sleep, reduce your sleep latency. You might feel dopey. But God, if you look at sleep studies, you're not getting the same quality of sleep at all. Yeah. And that is important to understand that sleep is not just one homogenous thing there's multiple things that we could be trying to impact on are we trying to get you to sleep quicker so to sleep latency like gary said are we trying to get you to sleep quicker are we trying to get you to have deeper sleep are we trying to get you to have more consistent sleep across the night like you're not waking up multiple times are we trying to improve the amount of sleep that you get overall rather than getting four hours can we get you to six to seven to eight hours like that kind of stuff so there's multiple things that we could be impacting and unfortunately some of the things that people prioritize 
are not actually improving their sleep quality or any of the other metrics. However, it does actually impact your sleep latency. So a lot of these things that people are like, this is a fantastic sleep supplement, or this is a fantastic thing that I do in my diet, lifestyle, whatever, uh, to improve my ability to get sleep. That might be true, but it doesn't improve your quality of sleep. In fact, most times it actually, you know, decreases your quality of sleep. One of the things that people often say is, oh, I use some like cannabis i smoke some weed before bed you know it really helps me get to sleep or i take cbd before bed it really helps me get to sleep and some of those things might be the case you might take some sort of drug some sort of alcohol whatever and it might impact on your ability to get to sleep you might notice that oh i drift off a little bit quicker right i get to sleep a little bit quicker but when you actually look at the sleep quality that you get very often it's impacted, very often it's not increased. In fact, it's decreased, right? So we have to be clear in terms of what we're supplementing or putting in our bodies when we're trying to improve our sleep. And this is one of those things where it actually becomes a compounding issue over time because imagine, again, we'll just go with the alcohol stuff because that's very, very common where you drink a glass of alcohol every night and you have, let's just say you get over whatever, 1.5 units every single night. That might not be enough to dramatically reduce your sleep quality. It might be enough to just give you that little bit of an increase or a, a decrease, I should say, in your sleep latency. So you get to sleep a little bit quicker and then you notice, okay, my sleep quality wasn't that impacted. I'm wearing like a whoop or a other device that's measuring my sleep quality and whatever else they're not 100% accurate, but we'll say they're giving you some picture of it. And then you get into it and you go, okay, but you're reducing it by 10%, 20% per night, right? You do that every single night. It's compounding over time. And then you wonder why, oh, well, actually I'm, I'm just constantly fatigued. I'm always, I feel like I'm not getting enough sleep. So then you start reaching for more coffee, right? And obviously we know that coffee impacts on your ability to get to sleep. So, okay, now you're actually finding it a little bit more difficult to get to sleep. So that one glass of wine turns into two glasses of wine. And then that two glasses of wine turns into, oh, actually, you know, I need to smoke a joint before I go to bed as well. And then all of a sudden, again, it's compounding, 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 right? So we need to be very clear in terms of what we're actually doing and the effects that it actually has, not just the feelings that it produces. Because again, you can take a glass of wine or whatever, and you might feel like, oh, fuck, actually, yeah, really, I'm going to go to bed now. I'm, I'm quite tired. I'm quite sleepy. You might get to sleep straight away, but the quality of that sleep is very much reduced, right? Um, but anyway, I don't think we need to spend too much longer on all those things because we've talked about them before and we actually want to talk about the sleep supplements. However, this is going to be a, excuse me, a relatively quick discussion. So Gary, we were talking about this before the podcast, but there's really only one sleep supplement that either of us were like, yeah, like this seems to be effective. And it's also interesting because the vast majority of the other supplements that are often recommended just feed into the pathway of the you know biological synthesis of this one molecule that again, you can supplement with. And um, so most of the sleep supplements are working through this pathway in some way, shape, or form, right? What are we talking about here, Gary? Yeah, so here we're talking about melatonin, okay? And melatonin is endogenously synthesized, first and foremost. That's quite important. And that means that we're not supplementing with it as a drug that we don't have within our bodies already. 
it's something that naturally is really important for sleep regulation. So normally what occurs in, in normal physiology, you know, when we have a, a well-regulated sleep-wake cycle circadian rhythm, we effectively get a low or no melatonin synthesis uh, throughout the day, and then melatonin synthesis will increase at night. And melatonin synthesis is going to be suppressed by some of those things I discussed earlier, such as light exposure. So what happens is you get light into the eye, you have these specialized cells within your retina that respond to that light. It sends that message back into your brain, into your pineal gland, and it will suppress uh, the suppression or the, or the synthesis and secretion of melatonin. So that melatonin is secreted from the pineal gland, and that will occur uh, at nighttime when it's dark, assuming all of those other conditions have taken place. So ideally, that melatonin is then going to contribute to a state of sleep. So that's kind of its big role, really, is that it's promoting sleep latency. And this is one of the things that you observe in trials of melatonin supplementation is that it improves sleep latency, meaning that people get to sleep quicker. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you will actually have better sleep quality throughout the night. So some people might supplement with melatonin, they get to sleep faster, but they still have the two or 3 a.m. wake up that they normally have, and it doesn't really improve that for them. Well, that's not the case for everyone. It does seem to generally be effective, and it's something that I'm you know fairly comfortable saying or suggesting that is you know mostly safe you know there can be some adverse effects for for some people um but overall it seems like a relatively safe supplement uh generally dosing recommendations come in at i think uh half a is it half a milligram i think is the lowest dose and then you work up to well actually the i think the current research is like supporting a very very low dose like less yeah. than uh less than a fucking milligram i can't even remember yeah i think it's i think it's 0 0.5 500 micrograms half a milligram is is like anyway the reason stack. we don't really remember it is because it's actually illegal in uh ireland yeah. uh, for example so we never discuss it really with clients you know it's like if they want to go out and buy it themselves import it illegally i'm like that's on them um but it is illegal over the counter at least in, in ireland i think in england as well um yeah, you can get it so, prescribed right by your doctor if you're having significant trouble with your sleep. Um, and yeah, half half a milligram is where you start off with, and you can work up to about five milligrams. Just see how see how you go. But I, obviously, that's something your doctor has to tell you. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, a very low dose seems to be more effective for just helping regulate sleep because that's actually what you're doing. You're trying to actually use melatonin to help regulate your sleep. So when I talked earlier on about the sleep hygiene habits. Like effectively, the way you would use melatonin is not to just force your body to go to sleep. That's not the way it works. You know, that's what people generally think of sleeping aids and sleeping supplements. It's just going to knock you out. It's going to make you drowsy. You're going to fall asleep. Right. Like that's the way most people think of it. That's not the case. Right. Melatonin is basically giving your body the signal to go, okay, wind down time, go to sleep. Right. It's that kind of sync it's that or synchronicity in terms of it syncing your body to the environment to the sunlight like gary said and now it's going okay it's nighttime start winding down start turning off shut down these processes close all the tabs gone whatever analogy you want to use right um so what you're using if you're going to use melatonin is to support these processes right so if you start going right it's uh, an hour before bed 
I'm really want to start winding down. I'm doing dim lights. I've got my blue light blocking glasses on. I'm doing all these different things that you could possibly do to improve your sleep. You're reading your book or whatever. And then you're like, right, cool. I'm actually just going to take some melatonin now to help with this wind down process to help entrain me to this schedule. That's how you would use it, right? You're not using it just every night going like, yeah, I'm just going to pop this and then I'm going to sit in front of uh, Netflix here and just hope that it starts kicking in and makes me tired and want to go to bed. Like that's not how you would use it. That's how unfortunately a lot of people seem to think it works, but that's not how you would use it. You would use it to support these healthy sleep hygiene habits that you are instigating or you're bringing into your life. Absolutely. And I don't think I have too much else um, to say about melatonin really. Um, it's something you can try if it's prescribed by your doctor. And if you're not in Ireland, you might probably be able to get it over the counter. Um, but yeah, yeah. like if you're in France or Germany, I know we have a lot of European listeners. I know we have a lot of Australian American listeners. As far as I know, in all of those countries, you can get it over the counter. You know, I don't know maybe about Australia, but I know in France, like I could literally get the Eurostar right now, go to France, get some melatonin and come back. Right? Um, like there's no, there's nothing to stop me doing that. Right. Um, well, it's probably illegal, but I'm just saying that in France, I know that they do sell it. Right. Um, however, in Ireland, they don't. So I know a lot of our listeners are Irish. Obviously, we're both Irish. I live in England. Obviously, are you still live in the mighty Ireland? Um, but it is illegal there. However, the way people get around this, or rather the way supplement companies get around this, right? They look at the synthesis pathway of melatonin in the body, right? So the general way this happens is you have dietary tryptophan. So you've got an amino acid tryptophan, right? So that's found in meat, right? It's found in sources of protein, right? That tryptophan gets converted, it crosses the blood-brain barrier, et cetera, gets converted into serotonin, right? That serotonin then gets converted into N-acetyl serotonin, right? And then that gets converted into melatonin, right? So that's the pathway. That's how tryptophan, this amino acid, goes into the brain, gets converted into serotonin, and then eventually gets converted into melatonin, right? Now, what supplement companies will do is they will look at that pathway and go, what do the different enzymes or what do the different uh, conversions in that pathway need what supports those different pathways for example for example even dietary tryptophan when it crosses blood brain barrier etc can be converted into l-kynurinin right and l-kynurinin we'll just forget about the l uh, kynurinin is actually associated with depression now i actually don't believe in that link too much uh, a lot of people really do like that pathway as a call or playing a causative role in uh depression but either way right now that can actually be inhibited to some degree with a supplement you could take niacin right which is just a b vitamin right niacin provides a negative feedback on the uh enzyme that converts tryptophan into kynurinin right or that pathway right so you could go oh well you know what i'm going to do i'm going to put some niacin in this supplement this sleep supplement to say okay well if we've got less of that tryptophan converting into kynurinin that means more of that tryptophan is converting into serotonin which then converts into melatonin so we're going to increase melatonin by virtue of inhibiting the synthesis of kynurinin right so that's way the way 
they would do it, right? But there's also other ways, right? So you might go, okay, we might do a little bit of that, but there's also other supplements or other nutrients, I should say, that could potentially be playing a role in the actual synthesis of melatonin. Now, if you have a rank deficiency in any of these, yeah, taking these supplements is probably going to improve your sleep. This is why we said earlier on, you could argue that a general multivitamin is going to improve your, your sleep, right? You, you could argue that just having a good healthy diet is going to improve your sleep, right? Because you need nutrients for these enzymes, these processes to actually work. Again, folate plays a, a role. Vitamin B6 plays a role. Zinc, magnesium, right? They all play a role in uh, facilitating the enzymatic action that is required to transform tryptophan into melatonin, right? You could also go, well, you know what? I'm actually going to put some tryptophan in my supplement, right? There's also some other ones, which we'll talk about now in a second, uh, which you go, oh, we're going to put those ones in the supplement to, again, play into this cascade here of melatonin synthesis, right? But that synthesis, that process also needs uh, methyl donors, right? So you go, okay, well, we can actually support the methylation cycle, right? Now, folate, B vitamins, like vitamin B12, B6, they play a role in there, right? So you might go, okay, we're going to give some B vitamins. Again, oh, folate also plays a role in converting tryptophan into serotonin. Cool. So we've got a, a few different key supplements. So this is why you often see in a sleep supplement stack, they'll have a few select B vitamins. They might have some zinc in there. They might have some magnesium in there. Again, it's all to help support this melatonin synthesis. Now, there might be other processes that are also occurring, but I can tell you, this is what sleep supplement formulators are doing. They're going, right, we're going to support this melatonin synthesis, right? Uh, that's the that's the main target, right? Now, do you have anything to say on that, Gary? I don't think so. Um, I think just to, to reinforce your point that a lot of these are quite speculative, you know, and, and that's kind of what you see with a lot of supplementation that's based on, you know, hypothesized mechanisms in general is that, you know, they, they might, there might be proprietary blend of sorts that might contribute to, I don't know, it could be nitric oxide synthesis, but very often we just don't end up having great evidence to actually support any one of these ingredients. So you could buy a, a, a sleep supplement, let's say I have some random supplement website, probably have all of these melatonin synthesis support uh, ingredients in there. And it might say something like uh, uh, pro mellow uh, synthesis uh, blend trademark, whatever. Um, and, and, you know, they're not, they're not necessarily wrong. Like they're all these could potentially contribute to melatonin synthesis. But the question is, do, uh, does supplementation, i.e. more of this uh, vitamin or mineral, let's say, contribute to more melatonin synthesis in an individual who already has adequate status of these vitamins, minerals, etc. And that's kind of the question that's often left out. We don't really have great evidence to demonstrate that these, um, like, for example, if we're talking about folate or B6 or zinc, etc., that more of these is necessarily better for sleep. That's just not something we have great evidence for. Yeah. And also there comes this thing about timing of these nutrients. Like just because you took this nutrient before bed doesn't mean that it's actually crossing the blood brain barrier, getting into the bloods or getting into circulation even by the time you need it. Because especially like what we said earlier on about melatonin, like effectively what you're using melatonin for is to help you with the sinking of your sleep cycle to like when you want to go to sleep. Right. So popping a few pills 
five minutes before you go to bed, like you're already fucking tired, you're already ready for bed. It's really not doing anything, you know? Like, yeah, okay, it might support melatonin synthesis, but your melatonin has already been slowly been rising because it's the 90 minutes before bed, <laughs> you know? It's like you kind of need to take these things earlier in the day, throughout the day. Like, uh, again, just thinking about the, the process of getting these nutrients into your bloodstream when you need them, you realize that a lot of the recommendations or a lot of the, pro- the protocols that people engage with are not actually helping with what they think they're helping with, you know? Um, but anyway, that's what a lot of people do. They just pick some nutrients in this melatonin synthesis pathway and then plug up the gaps, right? A lot of those things you just get with a good diet. Now, one of the things I just want to say on that is magnesium is one of those ones that people very often say, oh, this really improved my sleep. And that does seem to be the case for a lot of people. Now, magnesium is a bit of a weird one because if anything, you could argue that magnesium is an energy support, right? So ATP in your body is bound to magnesium. So you would think, oh, well, it's ATP is energy, right? ATP is the energy currency of the body, right? So if I'm supporting ATP, surely that would give me more energy. And that is true. Magnesium does seem to help with energy levels for a lot of people, right? But you very often forget that sleep is an active process. Sleep requires you to relax. You know, your body, like your muscles kind of want to be in a contracted position, right? There's this like, say for your your arm, for example, like there's this tug of war between your tricep extending the arm and your bicep uh, pulling the arm. Um, And it's like the reason your arm hangs the way it does is because they're kind of evened out, right? But they're not, neither of them are perfectly relaxed. There's still always, it's like Velcro, really. That's how I always think of it. There's still always some little bit of tension there, right? So when you're taking something like magnesium, you're actually supporting relaxation and the energy conservation will say, of those muscles of the body in general of the different processes the atp dependent processes in the body like it's an active process you also have to remember that sleep requires or the stuff that happens during sleep requires energy like you're repairing the body so again magnesium might play a role in there right um so magnesium does seem to help a, quite a lot of people with their sleep and um, it does seem to help especially if you have like restless legs for example, when you sleep, a lot of people do note that, oh, I take some magnesium, either just increase the amount in my diet by eating like green leafy vegetables, for example, or I take a magnesium supplement that seems to help with restless legs, seems to help get better sleep. But as we said earlier on, a lot of this stuff can just be cured by having a good, high quality diet. You don't need to go out and supplement with magnesium to improve your sleep. You just need to get it in your diet. How do you get it in your diet? Well, green leafy vegetables are probably one of the best sources for it, right? Um, but anything that contains fiber, you can probably bet that it's containing some magnesium uh, as well, right? Um, the other one that I want to say on, maybe Gary, you want to say something on it, is this 5-HTP, because you'll very often see 5-HTP in sleep supplements, in various supplements as well. Um, you often see it in supplements designed to increase serotonin in the brain, because as we've been talking about, serotonin does eventually convert into melatonin in the brain well it doesn't just automatically do it process is regulated um but 5-htp is very often included in these sleep supplements um but that may not be a a beneficial thing gary do you mind me saying that yeah so like 5-htp is one of those ones where you you probably you might want to be a bit careful when taking it particularly if you're taking an ssri selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor so 
basically what you're doing here 5-HTP is you're attempting to increase uh, the amount of serotonin in the brain. Serotonin is a precursor to melatonin. So again, it's kind of a similar idea to what we discussed previously. We're trying to interfere somehow with that uh, melatonin synthesis pathway. Now, the issue there is that excess serotonin isn't necessarily a good thing. So that can give you all sorts of problems that can be encompassed in serotonin syndrome. Um, and it can make you quite ill. So if you're on an SSRI already, um, so you're increasing the activity of serotonin within the brain, uh, and, and then you're also taking this, that mightn't be very wise, okay? So it's, again, one of those supplements that you might want to take care in supplementing with. Now, again, is this is this all that effective? It doesn't really seem to have that great evidence for its use. It might have some benefits, but again, it, it just comes back to the overall theme that we've discussed here that all of these feed into just trying to increase melatonin synthesis. Um, and, and I wouldn't be all that confident really that there's a, a potent effect here, to be honest. Yeah, like it's literally just providing a precursor. There might be some off-target effects yeah. that also potentially lead to some relaxation. And um, like serotonin does have effects across the body. It's not just in the brain. But again, it comes back to that okay, just because you've taken a supplement that has 5-HTP in it doesn't mean that it's getting to your brain at the time that you want it. It's not crossing the blood-brain barrier. It's not doing all these things in the manner that you think it will. Like there's a long, long process from gut to brain, you know? Um, so again, it's just something to keep in mind. Now, the next thing that a lot of people will see included in a sleep supplement formulation is stress support supplements right? And we're actually going to do an episode on just stress supplements in general. So we won't expand on this too much here. Um, but I do want to reiterate that <laughs> supplements for stress, it's kind of like with sleep. It's like, they're just so ineffective compared to actual good stress management practices, actual good lifestyle practices, like getting exercise. Exercise, we didn't mention it here, but exercise is actually one of the best ways you can improve your sleep consistent exercise regardless of type seems to be associated pretty consistently with better sleep and the only time i would say maybe that's not the case is if you're exercising like right before bed like you're getting like i often do jujitsu before bed and i do notice that it takes me a good two hours or so post jujitsu class to really like calm down get my body temperature back under control etc right um so that would be the only time that I'd be like, you know, maybe it impacts on your sleep. Um, but consistent exercise, lowers stress levels, increases uh, your sleep, you know, it makes it better. Um, and it's just something that we recommend people do, right? Um, but you'll often see stress supplements in sleep formulations. And as I was saying, they're just not that effective. Good stress management practices seem to be more effective. Like I would argue that doing something like, you know, journaling before bed, like literally just writing down your thoughts, you know, very often these thoughts are just racing around our head and you are like ruminating on them as a way to just keep it remembered, you know, like you're like, oh, I, I, that's really important for me. I don't want to forget it. And oftentimes if you literally just pick that thought out of your mind, write it down, you can let go of that kind of fear, that kind of stress response to being like, oh, I need to remember that. Like, yeah, I will remember it. It's literally written down right there right and then also the process of actually writing it down like formalizing it like actually thinking it through to to write it down like you could physically write it down or write it in your notes app doesn't fucking matter um doing that really helps you to actually identify what you're actually ruminating on 
which again, really helpful for sleep, right? I would argue that doing that is more effective than throwing all of these uh, stress management supplements at the issue, right? These stress management supplements might have an effect, but again, it's a small effect compared to the actual effects of good quality stress management techniques. Um, do you mind to say on that, Gary? Nope, I agree. Fantastic. Well, some of, the, some of the supplements that you'll often see included are stuff like rhodiola, rosea, rosea, I don't know how you say that second one, um, but that's often included. It's an adaptogen. It does seem to be effective for certain things. It potentially could increase your sleep, um, especially it could help with getting to sleep and staying asleep because a lot of people do have like somewhat of an anxious anxiety disposition and that's what's preventing them from getting to sleep um ashwagandha is also another one that's often recommended again it's an an adaptogen so it's helping you deal like kind of keeping you more level it's not letting your stress get too low or too high it's keeping you in that nice level so again these can be used as a support uh, for good stress management practices, just like you know, something like melatonin could be used as a support to good sleep uh, practices. There's other ones as well, such as L-theanine. Now, I don't actually think there's a lot of research to support the use of L-theanine before bed, but it is somewhat of an anxiolytic, so it's reducing anxiety. So some people do find that that can be quite effective for helping them get to sleep. And then there's finally valerian root, which is very often recommended. There are some... Uh, counter recommendations for that for certain populations but again that is very often recommended as a stress support supplement um, and as a result of that could potentially help with sleep again as i said we're going to do a full episode on stress management stuff so we're not going to dive deep on any of these right now um, unless you have anything to say on them in particular gary other than like my general recommendation is they're just not that effective do some good stress management practices and don't even think about supplementation <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think I agree. I, I like again. I I think stress stress is something that definitely catches up with me in the evening at times. But as you say, the the thing that I do is I just have like one of those kind of standard twenty twenty three A four diaries that I use, and I you know open it up in the evening and I just write down what has to be done the next day and any reminders or things that I've thought of that maybe maybe I need to get back to someone about something a task that I really need to get need to get to early need to do early in the day and now it feels like okay that's there on the page I don't have to be thinking about it now because that'll be done in the morning um, I know other people if they have a more anxious disposition they're not really able to do that as well and, that, and that's fair enough you might need you know additional strategies but I find that to just be so helpful personally and for a lot of clients as well. 100%. And again, we'll do a stress management supplementation podcast in the future. There will also be a stress management article on the website in the foundationals series. So you can always go back and be like, what do the boys think? <laughs> like, what are the good uh, habits and practices, etc. You know, um, and we did touch on it earlier on, Gary, but maybe a few words to wrap this podcast up with with this one, one that you'll very often see, especially nowadays, because it's becoming less and less regulated i suppose um is cbd and um, this is very often used as oh like this is going to really improve your sleep people will tell you that oh i took cbd and you know my sleep was just phenomenal my recovery was just so much better people will often say like again i smoke marijuana before bed it helps me get to sleep it really improves my sleep quality what's the story with this yeah so f- firstly cbd and cannabis aren't the same thing and that's important to realize so you have um, CBD, which is cannabidiol, and then you have THC or tetrahydrocannabinol, 
cannabidiol or cannabidiol, can't remember. Um, but anyway, THC is the more drug-like part of, of marijuana. And that's the part you're not going to be getting in supplements, okay? That's going to give you far more of the high that you get in response to marijuana. CBD can still contribute to some minor elements of that effect, but really they should be thought of differently. So when it comes to cannabis or marijuana itself, that can reduce sleep latency for some people. So you might get sleep a bit quicker. You might get a reduction in anxiety, but we do see that marijuana actually reduces sleep quality. Okay. So it's not a simple fix. I know people that do it. I, I And I know some people that have no issues with it. You know, they might have a very good relationship with just smoking a small bit of weed every now and then when they're feeling a bit anxious and it helps them get to sleep and they have a great night's sleep. That for me, you know, I don't do it, but fair enough. I can see the reasoning there. Now, you don't want to become dependent on that, obviously, and doing it every single night because that obviously is a, having a cumulative effect on reducing your sleep quality potentially. So um, you can view it as something that improves sleep latency, but probably not sleep quality and probably worsens it. Now, CBD itself then is can potentially improve sleep, but it seems to be doing that via um, an improvement or via an anxiolytic effect. So if you're very anxious, there is some evidence to show that CBD can reduce anxiety and then therefore you're going to be in a less anxious state, a less sympathetic fight or flight state, and then that can potentially improve sleep. So I've, I haven't taken CBD myself. It's a very unregulated area of supplementation. So it's very difficult to see what effects are actually occurring. You generally see that there's this there's definitely a divergence between what people report and what we actually see in really controlled trials. Like the effects are a lot less pronounced when you look at controlled trials. And that's very easy to understand when you consider the, the information landscape here. Because if you've been told by loads of different people, loads of podcasts, loads of articles, that CBD is this wonder supplement that reduces inflammation and massively improves sleep and gets rid of stress, et cetera, which a lot of people do believe, then you're already primed to have a very positive response. There's a very strong um, placebo or expectation related effect there that is going to improve uh, an outcome, particularly when it's a subjective outcome, like how anxious you feel or how well you slept. Okay, Th those are very amenable to placebo effects because they're not very controlled outcomes. So there's an effect there. It's probably overblown um, and overhyped by a lot of people. Um, so it's not something that I recommend as such. It's not something I've ever advised a client to take, but there is probably some signal there, but it's amidst a lot of noise. Yeah. It's also in, in my estimation, at least not one of the high priority ones, you know, like you could make an argument that, you know, some of the other supplements out there that potentially help with stress management, because that seems to be what people use CBD for is yeah. more of that, like redu reduction in anxiety, reduction in stress. Um, there potentially are way better supplements for that stuff with way better like research on them. So again, I don't understand why you would choose the one that has the least amount of research. That's like going like, Oh, we know creatine is really effective. Um, but I'm actually just not going to choose creatine. I'm going to choose some other thing that maybe might feed into that same pathway. <laughs> you know, it's like you use the stuff that has a lot more research on it, not just this new, new kid on the block, you know? Um, but yeah, anyway, that's sleep supplements. I don't have anything else really to add to any of that. Um, 
there's just not that much in the sleep supplement sphere that I would say is a, a game changer. Again, there are certainly nutrients that help with sleep. There are certainly lifestyle practices that help with sleep. There are certainly some supplements that if you don't have good health, if you don't have good lifestyle practices, if you don't have a good diet in general, these supplements could potentially help a lot with sleep. But there's nothing that actually just replaces having those good sleep hygiene practices, having a good healthy lifestyle overall, you know, like reaching for the supplement when you don't have any of these sleep hygiene practices in place is just, you know, missing the forest for the trees. You know, you're just, you're, you're kind of just pissing in the wind really. Um, because these sleep supplements, yeah. Okay. Maybe they give you 2%, right. But the sleep hygiene practices when they're practiced consistently give you that 98%, you know, I'm like, why would you not focus on those things and then focus on the stuff that's like, oh yeah, this is giving you a maybe, maybe max here, 2%, you know, like it just doesn't make sense, you know? Um, but anyway, Gary, I don't have anything else to say. If you want to wrap up the podcast, let people know where they can find us, what we have going on, that would be fantastic. Absolutely. So guys, if you're interested in the coaching process, we do have coaching spaces available with each of our coaches. You can find information about that in the description box below, put in your details and we'll get back to you with further information. We also put out a lot of information on a weekly basis, obviously here on the podcast, share it if you enjoy it, leave a rating and review, etc. But also on our newsletter, the triage method newsletter, which you can subscribe to below to get more free access to information that doesn't necessarily appear on our social media, but goes directly out to the email list. We also have a lot of content on our social media. So make sure you're following at Triage Method on Instagram and each of our respective coaches, which you'll find there on the page as well. Uh, we have a nutrition certification, which you can get involved with. We just um, introduced a payment plan for people that don't want to pay the lump sum up front. You can pay on a monthly basis and get involved with that. Improve your ability to coach nutrition, start helping clients with their nutrition, get great results and build a better business. So if you're interested in that, you can also get involved there. Um, other than that, I think that's everything we have going on for now. And uh, we'll see you in the next one. Yeah, just before we leave, though, I just want to say it would make a lot of sense to subscribe to the email list, right? Because we have a lot going on. We're building a lot of things in the background. And I always do it tongue in cheek because myself and Gary do always laugh at it. But, you know, we do have a lot going on in the background. There's exciting things in the pipeline, you know, as like it's always cringe and funny when people say that especially when, you know, influencers come on their Instagram stories and they're like, sorry, I've been away for so long. So There's just going on. There's so much going on. And like, nobody noticed. No, I didn't, no one knew that you were gone anywhere. Like, <laughs> but we do have a lot of uh, exciting things for us, at least that are going on in the background. Um, so if you want to stay abreast of all the news, get the latest articles, the latest things that are going on on the website, you want to get them straight into your inbox subscribe to the newsletter that's probably the best way to do it because you know subscribing or following i should say on like instagram or something yeah it's effective it might keep you up to date it might be like yeah i might see that on the story i might see it in a post that they made but that's just up to the instagram gods <laughs> like they might or they might not show it to you right unless you're clicking into our page which i highly recommend uh, clicking into our page every single day to look at our stories to look at our posts you might miss a lot, right? Whereas if it goes straight into your email inbox, yeah, you might not read everything. You might be like, cool, like whatever. This is just a an email that they sent me, you know, breeze through it, nothing of interest for me. At least you'll see it, 
at least you're like, okay, I know that's there. I know that I'm going to get access to this information because we do often do that. We do often give like discounts, sales, people get access like early to, you know, the release of a course or something. So like, it makes sense to jump on the email list. And the only reason I'm really putting uh, an emphasis on that is because we often like we engage with our followers like brian always messages people to see like why they followed us what they're looking to get from following us so we can create better content for you guys and um, and then very often he'll talk to people and they're like oh i didn't even know you had a podcast or oh i didn't even know you had a newsletter and it's like again you're gonna miss things unless you're on the email newsletter like that is the best place like instagram is good that's where we spend a lot of time right but the newsletter is even better that's where like people on the newsletter i'm like i know you guys are real g's you know i know you guys are really like invested in what we're producing and we always aim to reward that absolutely so get on that guys and we'll see you in the next episode